Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast on today's show. We get into the latest fallout from the Migrants Vineyard News Cycle. More true facts have been unearthed about Hunter Biden. There's some positive signs for Republicans that perhaps the red wave is still possible after all, and a big win for free speech online via the great state of Texas, plus a lot more in the pretty busy opening of the show. Our guest today is Congressman Matt Gates, fan favorite. He sings the praises of my son Hunter before we discuss the alleged end of the coronavirus pandemic and what that should mean. Plus, more of your money is being sent to Ukraine. But, of course, that shouldn't surprise anyone in this audience. Plus, we cover a lot more ground uh, with him in that interview. Let's get into it. I guess the biggest thing that was going on was the queen and the uh, historic funeral. We might never see a funeral like this again. People are pointing out something that is this much of an international event. Uh, definitely one of the biggest events internationally that we've ever seen. I, I don't know who would get this level of pomp and circumstance due to the nature of it being actual royalty, a monarch and a Western monarch, nonetheless, or, or, or in, in, in addition. Um, and just the nature of someone who's such a popular figure that was just incredibly popular for so many reasons all around the world, symbol of class and tradition. And it was really striking to watch, and mostly from our vantage point at Breitbart, we were struck by the, the Christian themes. Uh, it is truly something that was uh, monumental to see so many uh, Christian themes emerge throughout the day. And I thought that that was really cool. Uh, Give rest, O Christ, to thy servant with thy saints was one of the phrases that you saw repeatedly. Uh, And this is uh, something that was quoted uh, by uh, people throughout the, the, the day. And all of the imagery, the religious imagery, the Christian imagery, I thought it was really nice. And so there's lots of photos there and uh, up for you at Breitbart News. Uh, there's only so much I can add to it other than that. It is interesting to note that in the United States right now, we had a study come out this week from Pew Research Center showing that America is, are you sitting down? Our Christianity is declining in this country, even though we were founded as a Judeo-Christian nation and uh, we're still majority Christian. There is a been a low-grade war in Christianity in this country for a long time, um, and a lot of attacks on Christian nationalists on places like MSNBC, which are really escalating folks. Uh, the five Christian nationalists on the Supreme Court are victimizing brown and black folks, was one of the lines that uh, showed up on uh, Joy Reid's appalling show on uh, primetime MSNBC earlier this year. So we have a lot of open attacks on Christianity going on in this country. And I just ask you, are we better off or not, if that's the case, if, we are, if we're getting less faithful, if we're spending more time on Twitter and TikTok and Netflix and less time reading the Bible and going to church, uh, how are we doing? How is it working for us? That's the only question I ask. Is, is not, is it a, a good thing or a bad thing in principle? Of course, as a Christian, as a Catholic, of course, I think it's a bad thing, it, my personal hot take. But let's try to be objective about it. How are we doing as a society as we've gotten more secular and less Christian? I would say not right. I would say overall, we're more divided. We're more angry. We're less tolerant. And uh, I would say that we spend a lot of time doing a lot less fulfilling stuff. So I just find that very noteworthy that we had read that poll, we report on that poll, and in the meantime, we're looking at something that everyone was in awe at looking at um, St. George's Chapel yesterday. And clearly, the themes with the Queen and her memorial, her funeral service, the state funeral service, um, uh, the it, it's such a deeply Christian public ceremony. And how the queen considered herself committed into the hands of God 
the soul of his servant was what happened yesterday with the queen. It's almost surprising to hear that type of language. Anyway, I think it's a noteworthy coincidence because we all watch this thing, very Christian, and everyone's watching, wow, this is incredible. And then you look down and we're going away from our faith. We're moving away from it. All right. Uh, aside from that, the next big thing in the news was it seemed like the busing wars ended up being, again, front and center. I think people are starting to really understand the power of the symbolism and the example that Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis have done. And I've been reporting on this on the show for over a year about how they've tried those two governors in particular, really tried to one-up each other in terms of who can do uh, the most provocative things to advance conservative values. And uh, the Governor Abbott, of course, came up with his brilliant move of bossing people's sanctuary cities. And then uh, Governor Abbott, I'm sorry, Governor DeSantis one-upped him uh, last week by flying just 50, just 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard, a Democrat-run sanctuary city, and it set the world on fire. Um, Jonathan Turley had an interesting point. He's a George Washington University legal scholar. He shows up on Fox quite a bit, but he, he had a column where he said, if it's illegal to move migrants, then Biden is the biggest coyote in history. Yeah, people forget that Biden was flying migrants, which still is, in the middle of the night to places. No one cares when Biden does that. They only care when Ron DeSantis does it and actually tries to get some press around it. If you hide it from the people, it's okay. But if you are uh, just doing it in the dead, if you're doing the dead of night, it's okay. But if you do it in a way that's intentionally designed to get some attention around a very important issue, maybe the most important issue of our time, at least over the last 10 years. Uh, the, the issue that gave rise to Trump, so sort of the issue that made everything else possible. If we had a secure border, the Trump wouldn't have been president. There's no way. Because both party establishments wanted to keep the border open. That's what gave rise to Trump. Now, Trump, of course, did a lot of other things right to get in there. But I am saying that he would not have been necessary if we'd never opened border. It's still open. Record 2 million migrants apprehended at the southwest border this year. Are, you guys got that? Hello, hello. Is this thing on? Greg, Zach, is this working? Because I'm pretty sure I just said there were record 2 million migrants apprehended at the southwest border this year. And people have the nerve to complain about 50 being flown to one sanctuary city. Um, and the left is having a really hard time with this because people got the picture that they had no idea what to do. They had no idea how to deal with this. So a lot of them uh, have said things like, they enriched us, the migrants who showed up for one day, and they got deported. They got deported out of Martha's Vineyard to somewhere else. So the residents trying to act like they were really sympathetic, even though they shipped them off to military base. There's something so noteworthy about this if you are someone with any sort of religious uh, affiliation or you've even you know read about religion, it's not enough just to have a government program that helps people. You're supposed to actually help people yourself. You don't just get to shovel off some of your dough to the government via taxes and then wash your hands of helping other people. That's not the way the world is supposed to work. And then you can go work, you know, on your job, trading stock on Wall Street or as a, a attorney for an, a nonprofit um, or, uh, you know, junior vice president at um, uh, Facebook. Like you're supposed to actually help people, not just send taxpayer money so that other people can help people. So for the left to act like they you know, were really enriched by the migrants being there for one day, they didn't help them. They, they deported them elsewhere. That's why I said that there was at least one uh, a story that I saw of some residents saying that DeSantis actually had a point and that maybe they should use their second homes or vacation homes to house some of the migrants. Tons of empty summer homes and despite that, there were claims that there was a housing crisis when illegal aliens arrived. John Bender wrote this up for us, Bright Britain News. Tons of sprawling estates owned by wealthy people sitting empty, 
because summer's over, just ended, which is why the timing of this was perfect by DeSantis. You know, Labor Day marks the unofficial end of summer, even though I think summer ends tomorrow, technically. But uh, the, the kind of unofficial ends Labor Day, everyone goes back, back to Boston and Manhattan and wherever they are. And now they'll, they'll be there for the school year, and then they can come back, have a nice summer there. Uh, the people, residents saying there's no place for them to live. We've made your housing crisis as it is. There's lots of empty houses. People need to step up and help their fellow man. But they won't do it because they don't want people who are unfamiliar to them in their homes because they don't really believe that these people are a victim of Ron DeSantis. These people are political pawns for them. They drive down the wages of the lower class, the servant class in this country, and then they eventually vote Democrat. Same as the rich elite of two homes and ones on Martha's Vineyard. Duh. So I will say though, and this is so super duper fun um, that we saw yesterday. And this is actually caught by a left-wing journalist named Judd Legum. One of the planes he tweeted last night used in DeSantis's Martha's Vineyard stunt is currently scheduled to travel tomorrow. Today, as you're hearing this, it's currently, it's currently scheduled to travel today from San Antonio to Florida to a small airport near Biden's house in Delaware. How cool is that? So we could be seeing another drop-off today in Delaware. Uh, a Texas Democrat sheriff is opening a criminal case in the Martha's Vineyard. Uh, this is not smart. This is really dumb. This is going to be a popular move. Are these people so foolish? They want this news cycle to go away. They don't want to talk about the border right now. Biden looks like a total joke. The Democrats look like a total joke in this issue. Um, popular morning show host Charlemagne the God, who's a left-to-center guy, though has some anti-establishment viewpoints, hosts a show called The Breakfast Club, which is New York-based, but it's everywhere. He's on Comedy Central a lot. He's, on, he's got a pretty big f- footprint. And he was saying the move by DeSantis and Abbott and the migrants to blue states is genius. This is a Democrat guy. He's just trying to be objective here. He's just, he, he does that sometimes. He's not a totally um, knee-jerk agenda guy. So Democrats think that they're going to make it criminal. Biden does this all the time, all the time. Did he, is he working on this Democrat Texas sheriff? Is he working on all those migrant tractor trailer deaths? We reported Breitbart News. How about all the people who show up uh, miles and miles and miles inland who die of thirst, starvation, et cetera, heat stroke because they get lost in the vast Texas desert when they're trying to progress into this country illegally? after the cartels drop them off. Less outrage at the cartels than they are at Ron DeSantis. And enough of the public gets this. This is really almost like 2016 redux. And I remember thinking about this when so many Republican establishmentarians were trying to throw Trump under the bus and like something Trump did. Trump, you know, he, uh, the Access Hollywood tape. So that maybe we should let Democrats back into power. There are so many people in this audience and anti-establishment conservative audience who are saying there's literally nothing that Trump could say to Billy Bush on a hot mic that would make me not vote for him because he's the only one talking about stuff like this. Now, most of the right talks this way now. And they're willing to do what they can to draw attention to the fact that we do not have national sovereignty at this time. We have an open southern border. And if this uh, Democrat sheriff wants to spend time policing Ron DeSantis and not the, the cartels that are operating a criminal enterprise within the United States, then he's not gonna, it's not going to work. All right. Let's see. Next up. Next up. Oh, by the way, the majority of Democrats now believe that there are tens of millions of dangerous MAGA Republicans. So uh, we're talking about uh, you, you drop your Judeo Christianity, you start living in an information bubble where you don't hear from the other side. And you start hearing that really what Ron DeSantis is doing, there's no point. He's just evil guy. And you hear that on a loop nonstop. And you hear Trump's an evil guy. All the Republicans are evil. They're all maggots. 
And, um, you know, we need to kill the movement. Tim Ryan says, uh, the turning overturning of Roe v. Wade is literally a call to arms. Kathy Griffin was tweeting, uh, that if you don't vote for Democrats, it's just, you're declaring civil war, all this violent rhetoric. Apparently it works on some people. They believe that now uh, people, uh, just like you guys, maybe sitting in your car, getting up early, going to work, going to go raise taxes for Biden's socialist government that we have. And uh, you guys are really, it's dangerous, dangerous people. Um, I will say there's one other thing that came up yesterday, but it just really kind of hung around in the news. I mentioned on yesterday's show quite a bit is that there is now an effort to declare the pandemic over, which is kind of odd to me. And I, there's going to be another shoe that drops. And I'll mention this again because Biden's now declaring the pandemic over. Recall the World Health Organization said it's almost over. Now, why would they want the pandemic to be over now? I was convinced we were going to get a midtermicron variant. We were going to get a variant that was so bad that kept people locked down and made it so. It's, it's definitely too late to change voting rolls for this election. So anything that thanks to the good work of folks like Christian Adams who we had on um, and Dave Bossie and who comes on and all these people who are focused on election integrity. Uh, basically, if we haven't made any changes uh, then then they're not getting made for the midterm, which means the Democrats are going to have a lot of advantage, way too much cheap by mail, it's going to take place. Uh, but still, I was thinking we'd get maybe some some uh, a midterm Macron variant that would allow for, you know, maybe even more lax voting rules that are already uh, humiliating for this country that we already have. Uh, but we're not going to get that. And I, I am guessing that this is because they know something we don't. Because with the globalist experiment, the Great Reset, World Economic Forum, Davos, all these people, what they want to do is they want to create more mechanisms to seize more control over your lives. This was a subject of my speech over the weekend, um, so it's kind of been on my mind. And they've used, of course, the pandemic to do this. So why are they now backing off and saying the pandemic's over? When you look at the numbers that... Um, uh, if, if 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 you look at the numbers, we're still seeing sixty thousand positive tests over the last week, and about five hundred COVID-related deaths over the last week in the United States. And this is when people aren't testing. I mean, I was thinking about I might have had coronavirus again, as far as I know, because I had the sniffles last week. Some of you might know this. But I didn't even think to get tested until I'd already had it for a long time because I said, I had a sore throat. It just felt like a cold for the most part. But I was thinking that there are other members of my family who had some symptoms and they were all mild. And it, it was, but they were a little different than my symptoms. It made me think, well, maybe this is Wuhan. Maybe we had the Wuhan again. It didn't even cross my mind to get tested and then shut down all of our lives over it. It literally, I didn't even dawn on me until uh, after I was recovered that oh wow, maybe it was maybe it was uh, uh, maybe it, it was the row. It was Rona, might have been, but now all of a sudden it's over. Why is it over? I'm guessing we're going to get some information that's going to suggest that um, the the there's something that they're doing. There's some sort of treatment or plan that they're doing. Maybe the shots at this point. Maybe the boosters. We're going to learn something is not as good as the we were being told for a long time. And recall the evolution of the shots. The shots were the vaccines where they were, I think, uh, uh, we, we got some level of the, the, there are some success stories. And then they pushed the largely anti-science, certainly anti-freedom mandates, which were not why not embraced by everyone. And then all of a sudden we stopped talking about it because once Omicron came in, it was clear shots weren't working as well. And the therapeutics, we never had a operation warp speed for therapeutics so that we really didn't do much or the Biden administration didn't do much to make sure that people who didn't want the shots or already had their shots or maybe the shots weren't working for them and they, or weren't necessarily going to work for them where they had enough treatment options. Yeah, remember, we still don't know what to do. If you're not going to get the shot, if you're not going to get the, the jab, what are you supposed to do? You don't know the answer to that. I don't know either. You probably would think, well, Paxlovid. That's it. That's all, that's all we've heard of. 
all the other things that were hot with prior variants don't necessarily didn't do well with Omicron. We're in like the fifth version of Omicron right now. That's where we're at. So we're going to learn something here. There's going to be a shoe that's going to drop because they stopped talking about the jabs and they are barely talking about therapeutics. And now they're saying the pandemic's over, even though their numbers suggesting it's not over. Something's going to happen. Something will give here. All right, moving on. I will mention My Son Hunter again. We've been running this series with Emma Jo Morris, which has been terrific. My Son Hunter, True Facts. And the latest ones we put up yesterday, Hunter Biden illegally obtained a firearm by lying on forms about drug use. This was one of my favorite things that I relived um, during some of my coverage of this. I'd forgotten that Hunter Biden had a weapons charge, and he actually involved Bo Biden's wife, who recalled that Hunter Biden, the charmer that he is, was sleeping with after Bo Biden died, his beloved brother. So was sleeping with his brother's widow, and she actually helped them with this. They, he disposed of a firearm illegally, and a vagrant ended up with it, as far as we know, and um, uh, skirted any charges for that. So again, remember, the real criminal is Ron DeSantis here. It's not the crackhead son of the president who's cutting deals with Ukraine, cutting deals with China, flying around Air Force Two to get the deals done. And in the meantime, even though he's high on crack, is a, is a, a lied, apparently, to get a weapon. Not supposed to get weapons in this country if you're high on crack. And then disposing of it illegally. Another reminder, Hunter Biden was kicked out of the Navy for cocaine use. Just a, a, a stranger than fiction is the, uh, I think, the best way to put it. All right, other things. Uh, first monkeypox cases recorded in Boston public school community. AP had a big story out on how STDs are out of control right now in this country. And um, I'm very blessed this is not a big concern in my life personally. And the one of some of the magic of monogamy, but infection rate for some STDs, gonorrhea and syphilis in particular, have been rising. And last year, the syphilis cases reached the highest level since 1991. And the total number of cases is now the highest since 1948. HIV cases are on the rise, up 16 percent last year. 16 percent HIV rise. Wow. What is that attributable to? Monkeypox obviously not helping. And you know the communities that are most affected by monkeypox, important to note. So just be careful out there, ladies and gentlemen. Be very careful. It'd be nice if we could talk about some of this stuff a little more often, but we're so busy talking about the real problem. Real problem is... Ron DeSantis is one plane of migrants. All right, Texas has beat Silicon Valley. Huge win for Ken Paxton and Governor Abbott. Federal court upholding a law banning social media censorship. Social media companies want to use the First Amendment to censor, suggesting that they're free to uh, basically do what they want to do and trying to do sort of reverse engineer the First Amendment, suggesting that they're free to uh, censor because they're free to do what they want, I guess, as a first media, uh, as if you're free to speak, you're free to censor was sort of their point, and it didn't work. Um, so the right to censorship has been rejected by the Fifth Circuit. U.S. Circuit Court Judge Andrew Oldham said, Today we reject the idea that corporations have a freewheeling First Amendment right to censor what people say. Good to hear. The platforms are not newspapers. Their censorship is not speech. The implications of the platform's arguments are staggering. Wow, that's a stern rebuke. On the platform's views, email providers, mobile phone companies, and banks could cancel the accounts of anyone who sends an email, makes a phone call, or spends money in support of a disfavored political party, candidate, or business. This is a very similar to some of the stuff I talked about in my Great Reset speech that I gave about how if you don't think that social media censorship is in the beginning, next we'll be debanking, de- be demonetizing, of course, to platforming. And it's going to keep you, uh, as we move closer to a Chinese social credit score in the West, Chinese style, then they're going to come after you hard. 
Uh, the story of the day that I've got me somewhat obsessed is this IRS group that's given tax exempt status to this Soros backed group that's been accused of targeting Trump Republicans. So this is a, uh, a group called the Good Information Foundation, super Orwellian, needless to say. An attorney and legal commentator, Preston Moore, posted a video over the weekend saying he was offered and rejected hundreds of dollars to post videos going after Trump Republicans and MAGA Republicans. Now, the key to this, and I mentioned this briefly in yesterday's show, but it's worth emphasizing because this saga will go on, is this whistleblower saying that they're, they're coming after the MAGAs, and uh, they are, according to 501c3 status, you can only keep your status by you're prohibited from directly or indirectly participating in politics. And now they're paying people to do videos against Republicans and Trump supporters in particular. So we reached out um, to the IRS and you say Breitbart, and they were very flustered. They gave us lots of off-the-record comments, and they kept passing us to people. They kept changing their story. And then their official comment is no comment though I will tell you that we were back and forth with them all day. And I've engaged, I've got the attention on this issue from pretty much every top lawyer in town on the right. And um, there'll be more shoes to drop on this one as well. But this is a stone cold bust, assuming the whistleblower isn't lying. And I've not seen the Good Information Society come out and deny it yet. So but assuming this is true, that you're getting offered $400 for an anti-Trump video, unless this is some sort of a hoax, and I don't have reason to believe it is at this point, then this seems to be a dead-to-rights, fish-in-a-barrel, all figuratively speaking, an example of the left abusing 501c3 status. And any of you who work in, in the periphery of Washington know that conservative groups are policed constantly. Think back to the IRS with the Lois Lerner scandal which is, I guess, uh, uh, eight or nine years ago, uh, targeting conservative groups for their tax-exempt status because they are simply right of center. Some of the groups that I talk to and communicate with and friends with, uh, they're, they're just so obsessive to make sure that they stay out of trouble because they want to maintain their C3 status. And now you've got a Soros-backed group with the Orwellian-named Good Information Project tied to people who have done some... I would say less than ethical community organizing on elections. I'll have more on that later as well. And they're op openly paying people to make anti-Trump and anti-Republican videos. That to me seems a little bit like a violation of their C3 status. And uh, there should be IRS complaints filed, and I think there will be. And uh, we'll go from there. A big story, a big, big bust there that could change the landscape, I think, um, in a major way. All right, a couple other things to bring up. The Atlantic magazine, which, I, of course, was one of the supervillains of my book, Breaking the News, has an op-ed claiming separate, separating sports by sex doesn't make sense. So they're very happy to have a man, Leah Thomas, beat women and swimming. They love it. And I will also note... Um, politically, a couple of quick things. Um, Joe Biden is struggling to convince Democrats that inflation will fall. People are concerned about inflation. We were talking about this a bit, uh, looking at some of the numbers at Breitbart, and it, it just seems like on days we talk about inflation, Democrats are, are losing. They're losing ground politically. Days we're not talking about inflation, they're either treading water or have a chance to gain ground. But this still is the kitchen table issue, the one that I think will drive voters. And with the Inflation Reduction Act not reducing inflation, I think this is going to be a massive issue for the midterm election for people that it might not be, might not be fully grasping it. Um, and privately, Mitch McConnell has actually expressed some more confidence that the Republicans are going to take the Senate than what he has expressed publicly. Publicly, he splashes cold water on it because he's kind of a jerk. But apparently, privately, he actually thinks there's a good chance Republicans are going to win. And I think this is why. I do think it's inflation. I think that's the issue, the Biden inflation specifically. So I think that does give them a chance, especially when you've got people like Chuck Schumer, who's lobbying for, can you believe this, $12 billion more billion for the Ukraine. They want them to win the war, and they need more of your money to do it. That's why I said this when we gave the random $40 billion with no oversight. 
The random 40 billion with no oversight meant that it will be limitless. It will never stop. And they'll just keep trying to figure out how much money they can get out of your pockets to send to Ukraine. The military industrial complex loves this stuff. They know no ending to their spending. They know no ending to their spending. An inadvertent rhyme for you. Oh man, there's so much good stuff left. Uh, I, I will, I'll, I'll close with this one for now for the, I'll close the opening with this one. A, uh, Big story, Iowa Democrat Mike Franken denies former campaign manager's claims of unwanted advances. This was a huge story that was uh, dominating the front page news and it was got a lot of people in Iowa politics. Uh, very jacked up yesterday that a massive scandal in a important race for, um, Iowa, uh, Mike Franken's former staffer accusing him of making unwanted advances towards women, including her. So lots of women. This is the Democrat Senate candidate in Iowa right now. And a police report was shown. So there's actually is a police report with the uh, assailant's name blacked out. However, the Iowa field report was first reported. Uh, Iowa field report, which is an outlet was first reported on this. Uh, was able to deduce that the person who is accused is uh, this guy, Franken, who is running against Chuck Grassley in Iowa. So, and the report has the word, it is an assault report. Not just mild, unwanted advances. This is actual assault. So the major Democrat candidate, kind of a um, pre-October surprise here in a crucial race. So you can read all the details at Breitbart News. But again, uh, more bad news for Democrats, more uh, hypocrisy there. And just note that uh, all the evil people aren't necessarily on the right. Sometimes the people who prey on the women's are uh, the, the ones who might act like they speak on behalf of women. Not to say we know for sure, but that just seems like the fact pattern that we see so often. Congressman Matt Gates reached out to say how much he liked my son Hunter and how he thinks is a really important moment, perhaps a watershed moment in the culture. And it could be the beginning of something that inspires future generations to start creating art with conservatives in mind, but not just documentaries, narrative fiction as well. And uh, I thought that was very cool. And I thought it would be a great time to have him on and talk about that, plus other things on his mind and other things in the news. And he's always a fun hang. So let's hear from Congressman Matt Gates, Republican of Florida. Congressman, great to have you back on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you again about this terrific movie I saw. You know, I have to say, we did reach out because you've been effusive in your praise of my son, Hunter, and that makes us feel very good. Again, Congressman Matt Gates, Republican from Florida's first district. Uh, so let's start there. Well, what did you like about it? Uh, you know what? I expected a documentary. And I don't know why, but it seems as though the right has really embraced the documentary form format. Yes. And, and oftentimes to the exclusion of creating compelling, gripping art. And you know, we are in a culture war right now, and the ammunition in that culture war can't simply be our words and our beliefs. We have to actually have pieces of culture that are... Uh, gripping that draw people in that compel people and move people and persuade people and uh, this was uh, I thought a, a great example of that from Breitbart uh, obviously the movie My Son Hunter and you know I gotta tell you Matt that, or, or Alex there was one scene that uh, I really really was drawn to and it's the scene where Joe Biden and Hunter Biden are in a car together yes and yes. you know Joe it, it is so tense and the tension builds and as someone who's lived in this laptop day in, day out, mm -hmm, going mm -hmm. through the emails and the circumstances, uh, it certainly was a, a scene that sort of just just left off the pages for me. Yeah, I'm, same if, with me, and I'm sure this was intentional, though I haven't asked the director, Robert Davi, about this, and uh, the or the screenwriter, uh, Brian Godawa, but it, it seems like that scene, it kind of, it sticks out for a number of reasons. 
Uh, of course, for people who know the news, there's so many quotes directly lifted from the laptop or from um, uh, right. Joe Biden's life or Hunter Biden's life. And he has maybe the best line in the whole movie where uh, uh, Hunter talks about how he refers to Joe as the big guy in the emails, uh, which is just such an amazing exchange. But the movie has so much kinetic energy. It's so fast paced. There's so much eye popping visual stuff. But that scene is just two guys talking and the, right. what they talk about is so insane and and things that have huge impacts that would ripple across the world media landscape and just having this conversation I, I I think that's cool that you picked up on that because I think there is a super essential scene and you wonder why we don't see this more on the right you, you wonder why we don't weave our substantive argument into you know moments of culture and into cultural works and, and artistic works and a lot of that is because the people who are really capable in the space on the right have to hide it. You, know, you can't be in Hollywood or New York in the entertainment industry and, and have these right-wing views. And so I started thinking as I was watching the movie, like, you know, is this really the front end of the wave to create a new ecosystem where there is collaboration and, you know, really effort put into not just the right, substance of the argument but the right aesthetic the right musical score i mean oh my gosh the the performance you guys got out of your lead was uh, i thought really a, a showcase opportunity in, in the movie and i hope it is you know i really hope that this inspires other people who have a, a talent that you might not normally align with politics but might be entertainment movies music uh, that people could think of ways to connect with one another. I mean, we're, the, the Gen Z is the most socially interconnected generation in all of human history, and so we ought to use pieces like the My Son Hunter movie as a springboard to try to create those connections and uh, uh, really try to lower our shoulder in this culture war fully armed, and, and that's what I think the movie does. One critique I heard, Alex, is that some people were so drawn to the original kind of the, the a storyline of this movie the corruption the compromise of the biden family sometimes the wild depravity but but really the story of a father and a son uh, and a lot of those stories throughout human history have been pretty complicated and and sometimes there would be a step away from that for a side discussion on what's going on with big tech or some other feature of american politics and you know that 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 has to be salted in uh, at the right dosage uh, and you know there's some folks that uh, uh, you know wanted more of just the a storyline the the hunter joe stuff because there's such such depth to that but i actually kind of like that you got some reprieve with just some normal exchanges um, that also kind of advanced the argument yeah this is i'm really glad that you wanted to highlight this because i feel the same way and uh, it's noteworthy that you can do it i mean there is no conservative news outlets really i mean i guess you know you had some national review opinion pieces and some wall street journal opinion pieces but there was no real right of center news outlet and then at breitbart you know 10 15 years ago we just started it and then now we're here and we've been around for a long time and we'll be around for a long time and all that uh, I say this as someone who hosts a talk show that I always thought that I would not go into talk radio because even though I loved it and I was obsessed with it growing up as a right of center person because there's so many great conservative talk show hosts and it, we should spend our time developing new stuff. And I think that, you know, even though I think I've got a great show and the best show and the greatest show of all time, there'll be whatever show is next after this show is going to be a good show. We're not doing anything like this in terms of creating these narrative films. We're not giving anyone on our side the opportunity to go uh, spend their hard-earned dollars and their time watching narrative stories that have our political worldview in them. Uh, and this is why I think the movie is resonating with people, is not only are there so, is there so little competition for it, there's so few uh, the people doing this, but then it's also done very well. It's done with great performances and it's done with, uh, with snappy dialogue and with good looking people in it. And all that stuff really uh, makes a difference. And now hopefully you're right. And it shows the water is warm and people should give it a try. Uh, my wife is not an overly political person, but she was watching it with me and she, you know, very innocently looked at me and said, Matt, this is so good. It could have been done by the left, you know, and, and uh, that's yes. because so often 
the stuff that we do in this space on the right has like a very community theater you know feature to it and and that was not this it does it's true you know this has got the blockbuster feel and you know a lot of people went out and watched maverick right and what was unique about that is that there weren't the cringe moments from the left that it was like it was almost uniquely kind of devoid of the barrage of politics that the left bakes into a lot of their blockbuster works and you know the the uh unapologetic embrace of that from the right in my son hunter is something that that we need to see more of but i'll turn the question on you why do you think it took this long why isn't there more of this why isn't yeah. there an ecosystem where if you're some right uh you know right of uh, center patriotic billionaire and you're like you're like you know what I'm tired of my kids and grandkids watching all these woke movies. You know, where do I go set up my operation? You know, how come that has taken so long? Yeah, I think that this is a great question, and uh, I've given this a, a fair bit of thought. I think there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, conservatives as individuals, I think that we spend a lot of time, I don't think we support each other enough. The left has created this environment where there's all this competition, but sort of friendly competition in the entertainment space where there and that creates a huge industry there's all different studios creating all sorts of movies lots of different movie stars lots of different shows and you just they're they're lousy with it and on the right that we are not that supportive of each other if we come come out with a new endeavor and there's so much backbiting and fighting because ultimately we're individuals and we want to achieve on our own and we're not we're not looking to grow some sort of a community and the right's been very stupid about that Uh, but your other point is the political donor class has spent all their money on candidates and some of them been very weak candidates i think mitt romney raised like three billion dollars to lose to barack obama when obama wasn't even popular and uh, romney lost you know it's three billion dollars you see that money all could have gone or at least a lot of it could have gone towards building a new uh, ecosystem of the arts, a new uh, industry of a conservative entertainment, conservative content, conservative media. Uh, and it's not. It's just spent on politicians who are, you know, maybe marginally better or worse than, than the next one. And I think that's been very foolish that we've done that for the last decade, and hopefully we'll stop doing it because we really well, need I'm trying that to, investment. I'm, trying to, I'm glad you put it in those terms. I'm trying to make sure that... Uh the majority in the next Congress isn't just marginally better than the last one, you know, with what we see from the yes. Democrats and then oftentimes Republican light uh, that follows. You know, in documentaries, we have seen the advancement. We've seen the right step up. It, it, having gone through this experience, is the barrier to entry to Correct. create a compelling documentary just that much lower? And is creating art and, you know, compelling dramas just, just harder than a documentary? I don't know the answer to that one. I mean, I've having not made a, a movie, but it just does seem like on the show that there has been. Uh, we've had a number of good documentarians on the show. Some I think are great documentarians, uh, potentially, or at least will will be one day. And I don't think we've ever had a someone who who has put a movie together the way that the team did around My Son Hunter that is just narrative semi-fiction, historical fiction. I mean, it's all rooted in fact, of course, but it's the something that is takes liberties uh, and portrays it in a dramatic fashion. That's sort of art first and political second. I, I don't think anyone's even trying it, and that's the main thing, and I think that that's kind of, I think, what inspired you, Congressman, to reach out and say that, hey, I, I, isn't the goal here we want people to try this, we want people to create their own content and go out and make a movie and not take, uh, if, you, if you have it inside of you, don't wait for permission, go do it and go get something done. Yeah, and like you say, we have to encourage people to be supportive because, I mean, I'm watching this amazing, you know, film and sharing my perspective on it. Meanwhile, Pat Sajak just takes a photo with Marjorie Taylor Greene, and it's like, you know, cancel Wheel of Fortune as a result. And so, you know, oftentimes the people that are on our side in the entertainment space do feel uh, an intense personal and professional pressure uh, not to, you know, wave their America First flag at, at, at full mast. But, you know, I, I encourage folks out there, don't just watch it to become, you know, more informed and entertained. You know, watch it and, and really think about the, um, the paradigm and the frame and the opportunity. And uh, I've been racking my brain why, uh, you know, why we are so willing to sometimes fund the next think tank 
where a bunch of green eye shade nerds are going to sit around and write policy right. papers for each other, but not the next tool in the culture war. Uh, and be fully armed, you know, to everyone listening, and definitely go watch My Son Hunter. Thank you. Thank you, Congressman Matt Gates. Yes, you're right on the money with this. It is, you have to fund the next generation of creators and not just the next generation of think tankers. That is just a paramount of, of paramount importance. And um, if you're the type of person who's on the fence, thinking maybe I'll go to political route or the, uh, the arts route, uh, we need more people in the arts world. And I say this as someone who's somewhat hypocritical in this regard, but I'm trying to support the people as the congressman is to who are trying to create that compelling, entertaining content that might reach people who are not as political. It's part of the fun. Yep. Congressman, uh, let me ask you about something, though, that is, I think, is a parallel between you and some of the people involved in movies like My Son Hunter, is that uh, you, you seem to get energized by some of the hate that's thrown in your direction. You know, Andrew <laughs> Breitbart, of course, was like that. And there's a few personality types. There are people who are neutral to it, who ignore it. There are people who are really hurt by it, even though most of the haters are sort of anonymous trolls. Um, but then there are people like you who seem to uh, embrace that if I'm taking flack, I'm over the target. Uh, it, it, can this be a learned skill, or were you always like this? Well, my dad was a debate champion, and so growing up at the dinner table in the Gates family, you had to have a viewpoint on things, and you had to have a basis to support that viewpoint. And I never have minded the pugilistic endeavor of, of debate and discussion. But in Washington, I've learned that we, we lose all the fights we don't get in. And far right. too often on the right, we are willing to just surrender a little more ground and a little more ground. And like one day you wake up and you're, you feel like you're standing on a ledge and, and our people feel embattled right now. I think the reason I have support throughout the country, uh, despite the left, uh, you know, doing a, do, doing a great deal to try to, you know, hunt us in real life, cancel us online, banish us from the Congress trying to take Marjorie Taylor Greene off the ballot. You know, uh, the, the reason I have support is because people see I'm in the fight. And right. I, as right. we expect Yes, and, and, and you get embraced for that. And that's the same thing if people want to make the, you know, creative content that's right of center. There's yes. going to be a huge built-in audience that it just wants to support you because you're carrying the torch for them. And, and I think that as we move into the next Congress, we have to decide what our identity is. Because right now, we are slated to win in large part by default and the dissolution of the country mm. in the current ruling regime. And that's not a, an express mandate to govern. Uh, I believe that mandate has to center around investigative work uh, to showcase a lot of the substance that you saw dramatized in My Son Hunter. Uh, but to do that, it can't just be returning to uh, uh, the valet station to wait for the next lobbyist or special interest Right. to tell you what their wishes are, <laughs> yeah. and there are far too many Republicans willing to do that. Certainly. Let me get you to riff on a few political issues. i got maybe five or six minutes left, and I want to get your thoughts on it. So uh, we, we just learned, thanks to Joe Biden, the pandemic is over, so I assume the military vaccine mandates are off? Well, they are not, but that is precisely the work I'm on my, uh, on my way to the Capitol to endeavor upon with uh, some Republicans and, and even a few Democrats we're going to meet with and say, gosh, if the you know, if the pandemic is over, can we at least tell our military? I don't think it's enough to end the military vaccine mandate. I don't think we should pass another defense authorization bill that does not restore those heroes and patriots to their full rank and provide them their back pay as a reparation for the terrible thing that has been done to them. And then uh, the the other thing that the Congress does seem to be really focused on now is how much money they can give to Ukraine. Chuck Schumer's cooking up another twelve billion. I mean, wasn't this always the slippery slope we were on when when that first forty billion got approved with no oversight? Well, when we fir even before that, when we first canceled our normalized trade relationship with Belarus and Russia, there were only three people who voted no: me, uh, Thomas Massey, and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now I think that we've really exposed that Ukraine is the new forever war. You know, the people that were making all the weapons for Afghanistan needed a new marketplace. They needed a new forever war to tap into the largesse of the U.S. federal government. And that is what we're observing now. And it is sad. And when I heard Joe Biden say to Scott Pelley, there's no limit. There's no limit to what he will send. And, like, we're, we're not funding, like, bullets and missiles on the front line exclusively. We're funding every aspect of their government. So if you're listening to this program right now in the United States of America, your government hasn't agreed 
to a funding bill for your country, for our country. Right, that's right. But we've agreed for a funding bill for Ukraine's government, which is just a total dereliction of duty for the Congress in my perspective. I think it goes beyond that. I think there's something intentional here, and I think that they are, uh, I, I think it's on purpose. I think it's all inflationary, and the inflation, I think, uh, it suppresses the middle class, suppresses the working class, and it feels like there's something intentional here that they just want to spend spend money we all haven't earned yet, uh, create broader debt and deficit, and make us more subservient to this world community that relies on your tax dollars to uh, fund it. Uh, and don't forget, you know, Ukraine is the money laundering capital of Europe, and there's just a lot of bad stuff going on there right now. I mean, when you start to see the spouses of Ukraine's senior officials with, you know, millions of dollars of cash and suitcases, American cash trying to leave the country. When you yeah. see U.S. weaponry, like for sale on the dark web, uh, you, you, you start to get an understanding from who's really benefiting. Uh, and we all see who's paying the price, each and every one of us, every time we go to the grocery store, every time we get consumer goods, every time our farmers are out there uh, doing what they need to do to uh, you know, to work in the fields, um, you know, they're they're utilizing global assets and global marketplaces. Uh, it'd be a mistake if I didn't get your take on the busing and flying of migrants throughout the country, especially when we're told what an outrage it is, even though we've now crossed two million people legally crossing the border. I think that we know of this year. That's just 2022 alone. I, I want your reaction to the tactics from Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott and where you think this is going to go. I am I am totally here to support Florida's new business, DeSantis Airlines, with one stop <laughs> or with nonstop flights to Martha's Vineyard and, and your other favorite liberal paradises. Look, this obviously isn't a strategy to deal with illegal immigration. We have to embrace a strategy and an architecture for internal enforcement of our immigration laws. That includes deporting people who are not in our country legally. We have the technology to do it. Uh, but in the meantime, I don't mind a little burden sharing. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, Congressman, if people want to support you, uh, where do they go? MattGate.com is my website. Love it when folks sign up. They can stay in the conversation and on the front lines of the fight on uh, Twitter, Getter, Instagram, at RepMattGates. Would love a follow, and I uh, just appreciate everything you guys do at Brightport. Thanks, Congressman. appreciate it. Come back soon. All right, take care. And I appreciate all the kind words about My Son Hunter, MySonHunter.com, if you guys haven't watched. today's show thanks to producer zach and greg ebben who put everything together robert marlowe helps me pick topics you are still the stars in my book go into mysonhunter.com share our content from breitbart all over the social web and we'll talk to you tomorrow I'm in love.